let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 50. There we have God's word summarized as follows. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 34, the stanzas 2 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, today we deal with a profound doctrine. We deal with our daily bread. And you may say, well, what's so profound about that? Isn't that something quite ordinary? It seems to be less important to me than some of the other petitions. The first three petitions deal with much more important things, such as the hallowing of God's name, the coming of God's kingdom, and the doing of God's will. And those petitions deal with some real substance. But the prayer for our daily bread, that's not as important as the other things, is it? And so what is so profound about it? Well, if there's one petition that confronts us with the reality of the relationship between God and us, it is this one. For when we deal with our bread, then we are dealing with our total physical and material well-being. For the word bread is a catchword for all our material goods. And that is why the Halleberg Catechism connects our bread with the provision of all our bodily needs. And if there is one thing we are concerned with for ourselves, it is the earning of our bread. There is one sure thing that gets, up, uh, that gets us up in the morning and that gets us excited. Our daily bread. Let someone try to take it away from us. And then we get pretty cranky and scream blue murder. We think and we dream and we fret about our daily bread every day. And we protect it with all our being. But do you know what the real problem is? The real problem is that we have the inclination to leave God out of our material bread. Or just to give him a minor part in it. And so this petition is a profound one. For with this petition, the Lord wants to teach us not to think of him in an earthly manner. He doesn't want us just to engage in some pious talk about his kingdom and about his will and about hallowing his name. No, with this petition, he touches our pocketbook, our bank accounts, our wallets, he wants us to put our money where our mouth is. If on the one hand you say that you want to hallow God's name, you want to promote his kingdom, 
and you want to do his will in all things and that you trust him with everything. But on the other hand, you give to God only a minor role in your financial affairs. Then all your pious talk and your whole religion mean nothing. For you see, there is not an area of life that does not belong to God. Everything belongs to him. He is the only one who can provide you with material well-being. Our whole existence and everything that pertains to it belongs to the Lord. We cannot hallow God's name. We cannot promote the coming of his kingdom. And we cannot pray that his will be done except in the realization that we and everything that belongs to us are in the service of the Lord. And how do we serve the Lord? We serve him in our threefold office as prophet, priest, and king. We are prophets, priests, and kings in every aspect of our lives. And that especially includes our bread. Let us listen to God's word about the third petition as I preach to you about the prayer for our daily bread in the threefold office of the believer. We will see how our task concerning our daily bread is exercised in the first place, our office as prophet, in the second place, our office as priest, and finally, in our office as king. Question and answer 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism tells us that as prophets we are to confess God's name. And that is to say we are to speak about the Lord our God in the way that he has taught us in his word. We are to say the same thing as the scriptures. That also applies to our daily bread. The Lord teaches us in his word that our daily bread does not come from the work of our own hands, but from his fatherly hand. And that is the way it was in the beginning of creation, and so it is now. When Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, God gave them food to eat, plenty of food. They did not suffer any want. They could enjoy God's creation to the fullest. The food was there for the taking. They had to exert no effort which caused them any pain or discomfort in order to acquire whatever their hearts desired. No, the Lord God provided for man in a way that we cannot imagine today. But then Adam and Eve took something which they were not allowed to take. And by that very act, man no longer acknowledged that everything, including the food we eat, belongs to the Lord God. And this is where the misery started. Man wanted to be independent from God. He wanted to be like him. Man did not want anyone to have any control over him, also in the way that he was provided for. No man wanted to be free to provide for himself so that he could give himself the honor and the glory. But you know what happened instead, don't you? You know that as well, don't you, boys and girls? Man did not gain his freedom, but he lost it. He totally lost it. For after that very selfish act, man came under the control of Satan. And therefore, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, 
It is a great act of love that God still does provide for us. He had mercy on Adam and Eve and therefore also on us. But nevertheless, after the fall into sin, it became much different. Now a curse hung over all creation. The Lord God said to man in Genesis 3 verse 19, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. But one thing did not change. Man was still dependent on the Lord for his food. Without God, there would be no food to work for. Without him, there would be no soil to plant the seeds in. There would be no rain. There would be no sunshine. For God is the one who provides all these things. Without him, none of these things can come about. Without him, this world cannot exist. Without him, you cannot exist. Now, because of the fall into sin, we lost sight of that fact. And that is why the Lord Jesus gives us this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, as a model for us. Now we need to be taught how to pray again. We need to be taught how to speak to God, how to be prophets. In that regard, we are, little, we are like little children. They also need to be taught. And that is why before and after the meal, a child has to say it's separate prayer. Lord, bless. Oh, Lord, thank you for this food and drink. For Jesus' sake, amen. It's a simple prayer. But it is a very important prayer. Why do we teach our children to pray in this way? If you were to think about it, isn't that a little bit silly? Here we are praying for our daily bread and the food is already on the table. Isn't that somewhat superfluous? There is nothing really to pray for, to ask for, to plead for, is there? It's already there, sitting in front of us. And if it isn't, we can just go to the store and buy some bread or whatever we need. And you may say, well, we're asking for a blessing. Indeed, without God's blessing, nothing can come to fruition. We need God's blessing over everything. But that little prayer of our children is based on the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us to ask our Father in Heaven to give us our daily bread. And He teaches us to pray that while the food is already on the table. That should alert us to the fact that our prayer is not meant as a means in order to receive something from God. It's not so that without prayer you will not receive anything. That's not the way it is. Most people all over this world don't pray for their meals, and yet many of them have an abundance. But the Lord God wants us to pray, and He wants us to pray because we are prophets. And He wants us to pray with a childlike faith. He wants us to be like little children. Children know that their father and mother will provide for them. They don't worry about their food or their drink or their clothing or their shelter. 
Nevertheless, children still have to learn their manners. They cannot just go and help themselves to the fridge and to the cupboards and to everything in the home. No, when they want something, they have to ask for it. They have to acknowledge that they receive these things because they belong to their parents and that they have to realize that the parents are the ones who distribute the goodies in the house. Oh, sure, there are also impudent children who think that they have a right to everything, and no doubt they also receive, but such a child does not know his or her place over against his father and mother, and therefore they don't have a proper relationship with them either. They are presumptuous and arrogant and selfish. If we do not ask our Heavenly Father to give us our feed, our food, if we take it just without praying, without acknowledging that it comes from our Heavenly Father, then we are not any different from those impudent children. If we do not acknowledge Him as the provider of all things, then in the end we lose our relationship with our Father in Heaven, for then we don't recognize Him anymore. We don't acknowledge Him. Those who live as if God the Father does not provide them with their wealth, they are then placed outside of the covenant of grace. Then they do not, then they do not belong to it. Then they do not have any fellowship with God. For they do not acknowledge that God is the one who gives them all things from His storehouse of riches. And as the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land, Moses reminds them of these things. He reminds them of the covenant relationship they have with God. He reminds them of the fact that the Lord also gives them manna to eat in the wilderness. It is true that the Lord God did let them go hungry for a while. But why did the Lord do that? He did that so that once the Lord did send the manna, they would be the more thankful and recognize that He is the one who gives them their bread. As we read in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, Man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And these are the very words that the Lord Jesus repeated when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Christ could have commanded the stones to turn to bread. But Christ remained obedient to his Father. He was totally obedient to his Father's will. Christ knew that a curse hangs over the bread man eats. For man does not deserve to receive God's grace. And because of our sins, the Lord Jesus Christ had to bear our curse. But do you know what the wonderful message of this afternoon is, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? It is this. Christ came to remove that curse. He came so that we could eat our bread and receive God's bounty without being condemned for it. You see, that's what Christ did for you and for me. And he did so both as God and a man. 
As a man, he had to prove to God the Father that he alone would bear the curse which hangs over all creation. And so in the wilderness, while he was tempted, he proclaimed God as the one who provides for his children. He suffered extreme hunger in order to show to his father that he would be willing to bear the curse of God. But in so doing, he also promoted God the Father as the giver of all things. And Christ did so in his divine office as prophet. He proclaimed God's will and his sovereignty, his rule over all things. And it is only through Christ's obedience that it is now possible that we can pray for our daily bread. For he removed the curse. He also restored us to the office of prophet. And we too can proclaim God's ownership of all things. We can do that in our homes and at work and in the kitchen and in the farm and in the office and wherever the Lord God has placed us here in this life. Our bread and our drink and our clothing and our shelter and whatever else we have received, they have all been bought by the blood of Christ. It is through his blood that the curse upon this creation has been removed. Do you realize, congregation, the tremendous sacrifice of Christ for us, his children? Christ paid for every slice of bread we eat, for every single vegetable, for every potato, for every dab of jam. He also paid for the roofs over your heads and for the cash that you have in your bank accounts. For you see, when this petition speaks about our daily bread, as I said, it speaks about a lot more than food. For there's a whole process before the bread gets on the table. The grain first has to grow in the field And it has to be harvested and transported and distributed and made into flour and baked into loaves. By speaking about our bread here, the Lord Jesus has in mind all the things that go into the making of the bread. And therefore it refers to the whole economic system. It is a reference to our total physical and material well-being. Christ paid for all those things. And much more. He paid for it all. And we had nothing to do with it. As believers we are in a covenant relationship with God. We share in Christ. And therefore we are called to offer ourselves. As living sacrifices to God. For we also share in his office as priests. Unbelievers do not do that. And that brings us to our second point. Christ did not only proclaim the word of God, as he did when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. No, he gave himself, body and soul, totally to his Father in heaven. He completely offered himself with everything that he had. He emptied himself, as it says in Philippians 2. 
As a man, he considered nothing to belong to himself alone. No, he put everything in he had, including his very life, completely at the disposal of his heavenly Father. Now, how do you think that now applies to us? Consider everything that we have belongs to Christ. And yet that's hard for us to accept, isn't it? Even though it's true. For we are attached to our earthly goods. That's the way we are. We want to hang on to our money as much as we can. We find it hard to part with our money. Oh, sure, we'll give a little bit here and there, as long as it doesn't hurt too much, as long as we can maintain our lifestyle and buy a new car every so many years and all kinds of toys, big TV screens, etc. As long as we can do these things, then I'll also give some to the Lord. Look at what a good person I am. You know, that's the kind of attitude that people had during Haggai's days. They were totally concentrated on their own well-being, on their own houses, and on their own money bags. They put God on the back burner. God played second fiddle. Oh, sure, they worshipped and prayed and did all the other things, but they weren't sacrificing. It was lip service. However, the Lord God through Haggai teaches them that whatever belongs to them actually belongs to the Lord God. They are only stewards of all that God has given them. Without God, they have nothing. Let them put God first. Then he will also bless them. And so God also warns us today. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, verse 17 through 20. He says there, You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Thus far from Revelation. The Lord opens the door for us. We can eat. And we can enter and eat with him in eternity. He gave us a foretaste of that this morning around the Lord's Supper table. The Lord's Supper table reminds us that in the life hereafter, we shall never know any want. But we can eat with him then only if we also now, while we are still on this earth, show that we want to eat with the Lord. If we want, if now we already show to him that we know that everything rightfully belongs to him. And that he is the one who rules all things. And he does. And then we may rule with him as well forever and ever. For he has made us image bearers. He has made us vice regents. 
and only as faithful servants will we allow to eat with him with him throughout eternity. That brings us to our third point, namely our office as king. As kings, we are to be rulers together with Christ. The Lord wants us to be responsible rulers over all that he has given us. And we rule only because God rules. And therefore, the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. We do not ask for tomorrow's bread, but for today's bread. That is why the Israelites only received enough food for each day, except on Fridays when they also received for the Lord's Day. The Lord tells us not to worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough worries of its own. We, all we ask for is our daily needs. As it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 8 and 9, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So often we worry about unnecessary things. We look around us and we see others who have more than we do. They have a nicer house. They have nicer vacations. They have better things. Or we look at their jobs or their businesses. And we also hope to have some of those things one day. And in itself, there's nothing wrong to look to the future. But remember one thing. Keep that always in mind as you go about your daily life. The happiest people are those people who are content with what they have today. The happiest people are those who are also willing to share. The happiest people are those who are willing to give everything they have over to the Lord. They can be happy without the many material trappings of this world. For if you go after material things of the world, you will never be satisfied. You will always want more or better. We do not look as to what others have, but at how graciously God, uh, at how graciously God has provided for us, and He has also promised to provide us with all things necessary for body and soul all the days of our lives. Now, when you have that kind of an attitude. Then you will be content and lead a happy life. And then you will not look over your shoulder and wish for the things you don't have, but then you feel blessed with the things you do have. Now, if only if we could be more like that, then there would be a lot less anxiety in our lives. For brothers and sisters, I hope you're not thinking of anybody else right now, thinking about this person or that person. No, we're all guilty. I include myself as well. The Lord has greatly blessed us with the things we have. As a generation, we could not be more blessed than any generation before us. And therefore, we must count our blessings, even when we cannot afford extra things, and even when we cannot enjoy good health, even when death is knocking at the door. For if we count our blessings in the Lord every day of our lives, 
realizing that our security lies in the Lord and not in our material wealth or in our own health and well-being, but that our well-being, our health, and everything that we have is in the hands of the Lord who loves us. And then we also realize, O Lord, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. For the Lord our God is indeed a God who cares for his children. For why does he give you your daily bread? He gives it not because we need it for ourselves in the first place, but so that we can serve in his kingdom. For our total being belongs to him. And if it belongs to him now, and we show that in the way we live, then it will also belong to us forever. Amen.